Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today is another one of my first look episodes for the fourth Mythos pack in the Circle Undone cycle, Onion and Disillusion. So, if you like first looks, let's settle in. This is a bit of a weird one. I mean, I always say this is a bit of a weird one. That's becoming a podcasting cliche, isn't it? But this one is strange in that all the cards were leaked weeks ago. And then we got sent cards to announce. We did, uh, Mythos Busters did, may their name rot in hell forever. But I'm going to do a first look anyway because I like doing first looks. I've avoided all of the cards I could manage to avoid. So it's worth doing anyway, isn't it? Right? Yeah, I'm not going to go down one of those avenues of wondering about the point of first looks, kind of existential angst around the podcast. I'm just going to crack on. So here we go. The first card is Warning Shot, announced by FFG. It's a two-cost, zero XP Guardian event. It's got combat and agility icons. It's tactic and trick traded, which means I think Rita can take it. She can take tricks. It says, as an additional cost to play Warning Shot, spend one ammo from a firearm asset you control. Move all non-elite enemies at your location to a connecting location. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Flavor text. Stay back. Now, there's a few things worth noting about Warning Shot. We've had a little while to think about it, so I think most people have formed an opinion about it. The first thing to note that I think springs out to me is that this is a zero XP card, which means that the pool of investigators you can take it is pretty broad. So you've got all of the main cast guardians, then you've got anyone who's off-class guardian, you've got Rita as well as I mentioned, you've also got all of the Dunwich investigators, so someone like say Jenny if Jenny's using weapons, or even Ashcan Pete if Ashcan Pete's using weapons. So that that in itself is, is interesting, and of course Lola, big range, that's the first point. Second point is that really up until this point, well apart from one other card that I can think of, we've not thought of ammo tokens on weapons as a resource that we spend for anything apart from fighting. And Warning Shot and Eat Lead, which was the card I was thinking about, are cards that say, "Mm, actually, if you have lots of ammo on your weapon, maybe you can use it for other things. Personally, I think that's really cool. I'm quite excited about the idea that ammunition can become a guardian resource. I'm doing air quotes around resource that could be used in many different ways. We saw it slightly with the leveled up 45 Thompson, the Guardian version, where the the ammo from the 45 Thompson turns into resources in your pool, which kind of blew my mind. It's sort of the inverse of what you're expecting them to do. Normally you spend resources to get ammo, and this was saying, no, 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 spend ammo to get resources. Anyway, all of that is to say that maybe we're gonna see a development around the theme of a high ammo guardian who does interesting things with that ammo. And another piece of that puzzle is the upgraded Colt 32. So that's a card that's been announced for the return to the path to Carcosa. If you've not seen any spoilers about that, well, announcements about that, you probably want to not listen now. I'm not going to go into full detail about the Colt, but it hints at another reason why we might want to look at how we can play with ammo. This is all kind of by way of prelude to talking about the effect of Warning Shot itself. And that effect is that you pay two resources and spend an ammo from a firearm asset you control, and you get to move all non-elite enemies at your location to a connecting location, and it's almost like taking a fight or evade because you don't provoke attacks of opportunity. 
This is a very intriguing card. I'd be tempted to even say it's an interesting card because it's a strange effect that has probably a lot of different conditions attached to it. So, for instance, moving all hunter enemies away from your location, this effect doesn't exhaust them. So in the enemy phase, they just hunt straight back to you and hit you, which doesn't make much sense. However, moving a non-hunter enemy away from you to maybe a location you've already cleared, uh, particularly if it's a high health enemy that is going to be difficult to fight, could be incredibly useful. And where a guardian might be expecting to take two shots to kill an enemy from their firearm, if they can spend two resources and play warning shot and only spend one ammo, they're getting some kind of a boon out of that, which I think is is pretty decent. So I see this card as maybe a, a one-of in high ammo guardian decks to just give a little bit more flexibility around how they operate, perhaps. But of course, even in saying, well, you push an enemy away, often it's the Guardian player who wants the enemies to come to them. And pushing them away seems a little bit counterintuitive to how we've mostly played Guardian. However, maybe there are more cards coming up that point to a different way of playing Guardian, a Guardian that keeps people at arm's length. Let's find out. That's the first card. A good first card. An, an interesting Interesting first card, definitely. Okay, card number two is Telescopic Sight. This is a 3-cost, three 3xp three Guardian event with a triple icon. Intellect, combat, and agility. It's item and upgrade traded. It's weird to have an, uh, an event that's item traded, but there we go. And it's got loads of text. It reads fast, attached to a firearm asset you control that takes up two hand slots. Attached asset cannot be used to attack enemies engaged with you. Seems bad. Reaction. When you perform a fight action using attached asset, if you're engaged with no enemies, exhaust telescopic sight. This attack can target a non-elite enemy at a connecting location. Ignore the aloof and retaliate keywords for this attack. Fewee. Luckily, I don't have to unpack this card too much because this is a card that was announced to the community by none other than the scumbags across the ocean, the Mythos Busters. So yet again, I'm forced to acknowledge through gritted teeth that they've actually done a really good job talking about this card. It is a hefty investment, three in cost and three XP. There's very limited targets for it. I think five weapons, I think. Maybe I'm missing six weapons. Thompson. Well, there's two Thompsons. The bar, the lightning gun, the shotgun, and the Springfield. Oh, and flamethrower. Seven weapons. There we go. It stops you being able to use that weapon to attack enemies engaged with you, which is kind of nasty. And if you can set up a situation where you're not engaged with any enemies, you're then, you gain an additional ability, which is you're able to attack enemies at connecting location, and you get to avoid retaliating aloof. So you can finally snipe those whippoorwills from a location away. By itself, I think it's big a big investment, and it's for a playstyle we don't really see yet in Guardian. Just like I alluded to minutes ago, Guardians like to take the enemies on. But maybe we could see another Guardian style that they shoot anything before it gets too close. And they have, say, a Springfield, a telescopic sight, extra ammo, reliable, they they sort of charge up one rifle, maybe they have a bandolier and a, another weapon 
to do fighting weenies. Maybe they're throwing grenades or something, chucking dynamite blasts. Who knows what else they could be doing? But that style as a whole, I've not yet seen happen. I actually quite want to make that deck. I think a Mark Harrigan deck like that, where he's just kind of firing guns at enemies at a distance, would be great. And what feeds into it? Warning shot. You play warning shot, shunt all the enemies out of your location, and then you pick off the ones that are going to hunt you back. That's kind of cool. Like I said, big investment to get that all working, to get all the pieces together. Mark draws cards fast, though, so he's probably the best fit for it. Maybe Leo could do that as well. If you get it wrong, he can tank a load of hits. So yeah, like I love the hint of a new Guardian style. That seems strong. And check out the Mythos Busters. They've even put the podcast up of it. They do a really good job of going through this card. And the next card is the card we announced, Knowledge is Power. This is a zero-cost event. It's Seeker. It's level zero. So again, massive options of availability to lots of different investigators. It has willpower and intellect icons. Wow, not a single card with one icon so far. Insight traded, fast, play only during your turn. Choose a tome or spell asset you control or reveal a tome or spell asset from your hand. Resolve an action or free triggered ability on that asset, ignoring all costs, including its action cost if any. Then if that asset was in your hand, you may discard it to draw one card and power corrupts. We've talked about this on our most recent Visions of Future Past episode. Even though it's level zero and could be taken by lots of different people, there are very few people who probably want to take this. I can think of only a couple, really. And I think Marie, Norman, and Daisy are probably the prime targets, and particularly Daisy, who runs Spells and Tomes. I don't think I'll talk about it more, except that I I like this feeling that we're starting to reach a point where there are cards that feel almost like... It's a little bit like Old Book of Law for Daisy. feels like an auto-including Daisy and a card I rarely run in any other deck. I mean, I have, I have put it in other decks, but I just feel like it's not worth it in the same way. And if we now see Old Book of Law and Knowledge as Power in a Daisy deck, that feels fine to me. That feels more than fine. I think, you know, it's a, a nice little synergy within the card pool for one particular investigator. I like those sort of niche, niche applications. I can see how it would be frustrating for players who want every card to be a generically good card. But I think I want this game to be a game that has a real range of applications and abilities based on cards, kind of idiosyncrasies that different cards have. So yeah, so that's Knowledge's Power. And the next card, wow, we're on four for four of cards I've already seen. I thought I hadn't seen that many. This is the Esoteric Atlas, much alluded to Esoteric Atlas. The three-cost, one-XP Seeker asset with an agility icon. It's item and tome traded, which works really well with Knowledge's Power. It uses four secrets... And as an action, you can spend one secret and exhaust Esoteric Atlas, choose a revealed location that is exactly two connections away from your location, move to that location, and it takes up a hand slot. 1 XP means it can't be taken by those Dunwich Gators, apart from Rex. It has the same cost and the same XP as Pathfinder, and has a similar-ish ability. When you spend one action to play Pathfinder, you then get one move. Whereas for Esoteric Atlas, you're going to spend one action to play it and another action to spend a secret, and that will move you two away. So Pathfinder already feels slightly more efficient. And the question that Esoteric Atlas raises is, how often do you want to move exactly two connections away from your location? 
how often are there scenarios where that's the leap you want to make? Weirdly, Essex springs to mind if other people have surged ahead and suddenly your seeker can just teleport to catch up. The other person who springs to mind is Ursula. If Ursula's doing a secrets-related thing in her deck, or maybe we're still to see another secrets-related investigator. Unfortunately, this card isn't relic-traded, so Ellie couldn't fetch it for Ursula if you're running Ellie and Ursula, which is a shame. But sometimes with Ursula, if you've got Call of the Unknown out, you might decide, oh, there are locations with clues, but it's just not worth me trekking across the map to go and pick one of those locations. I'll just pick this location near me to ping into, investigate. Yes, I won't get a clue, but I won't take the horror, say. Or it might even be that point where you go, oh, for goodness sake, I'm just taking the horror. It's not worth the effort. And Esoteric Atlas at least gives you an option to spend an action, travel two locations, trigger Ursula's reaction ability, get an investigate, not take the horror from Call of the Unknown. And then maybe you sit around and wait for this to to ready, or maybe you have knowledge as power in your hand and you chuck this and ignore all costs so you get to trigger another action and move another two. The the best home I think is Daisy. Gives Daisy a movement ability that's a tome, so she can do it as a free action. It has plentiful secrets, you get a few moves out of it. And Daisy, unlike Ursula, probably likes to sit in a location, get most of the clues, and then move on. Maybe she sent someone else, the rogue or the survivor, off to scout out where she needs to be next. She then teleports herself to the next location she needs to be at to cane and get the clues. So yeah, it's nice. Worth noting with Knowledge is Power, you could use it when it's run out of secrets. So you could get five moves out of this if you're Daisy. Seems good. Okay, next card. That's that's it for rogues, uh, for guardians and seekers. And the next card is Investments. It's a one-cost asset, zero XP, has an intellect icon, it's connection-traded and uses zero supplies, limit 10 supplies on investments. Free trigger, exhaust investments, place one supply on it. Action, exhaust and discard investments, move all supplies from it to your resource pool as resources. Wow! Okay, uh, let's do the maths. Spend an action in a resource and put one supply on investments. That's the first turn. Turn two, you're up to two. So turn 10, you're up to 10, and it's only on turn 11 then if you want to get the full 10 that you can then do the action and discard investments, which is kind of okay. So the question is, how long are you willing to wait to get the payout? If you even wait for, say, six resources, this is incredible. It's just how long you're prepared to spend. And the question then is, how long is a scenario? 15 to 20 turns max, maybe, probably roughly that I'd say so if you see this turn 10 or earlier you can wait for the full payout but you might not want a 10 resource boost just for one turn you maybe want the 10 resource boost by the midway mark obviously in Preston if you want to play rich Preston that's a really nice option where you can be going broke as Preston and then when you want to transition from dark horse Preston to suddenly having 10 resources in your pool so that well connected turns on and Dario Elamine turns on, and Cunning turns on, and Money Talks, all of these cards. You can essentially be storing some money on your investments. It's liable to being targeted for an, uh, uh, as an asset that you might need to discard. Preston's not the best at protecting his assets, so that would be a little scary. I love the irony that Preston, the most asset-rich uh, in the sort of real-world sense, 
investigator is really bad at protecting assets in this game. Anyway, yeah, yeah, what a sweet little card. Like, pop this in Zoe, and if you see it turn one, just slowly build up, and then you're suddenly heady and rich and really set up. Jenny probably likes it as well if you want to recover from spending a bunch on Streetwise. I mean, I, even Skids as well. Pay for a load of Guardian cards in Skids. Pay for a load of cards in, in Leo Anderson as well. What a cracker. There seems to be so little that's restricting you. It's just a case of time. It's just like Leo De Luca. If you see Leo De Luca two turns from the end, it's not worth playing. This That would be the same for this card. The earlier you see it, the better. I don't think we have any way of finding connections at the moment. So that would be a restriction. But otherwise, cracker. Okay, and the next card is another card I know. This is Decoy, a two-cost event. Also rogue, double agility icons. Uh, it's favor and service traded, which is just like Intel report. It says evade in bold. Automatically evade a non-elite enemy at your location. And it's got two reactions. The first is when you play decoy, increase its cost by two. So four cost. Change a non-elite enemy to up to two non-elite enemies. And then it's got a second reaction. When you play decoy, increase its cost by two. Change at your location to at a location up to two connections away. So two cost is evade one enemy. Six cost is evade up to two enemies at a location up to two connections away. Massive spread decoy. Smashing. Really good. Obvious home in Preston. Bit of a clash home in, say, Skids or Seth who already have high agility. Maybe don't want the resources for this. But Seth can paint this as well. So if you're a rich Seth, maybe with your investments... Maybe you're happy to pay six and just evade two enemies. Evade someone, you know, your seeker goes off alone and Preston or Seth is following at a distance saying, don't worry, if an enemy's on you, I can get it off you and it'll only cost me an action and a card. Seems good. Seems really good. And if you decide you're not going to spend, it still has the agility icons to help with an evade if you really double down on evading. Enough said, I guess. I mean, you could even run this in Leo. If you're really worried about those panic moments where you want to land and evade, does it feed into the like knuckle dusters Leo style where you automatically evade an enemy because you've only got one agility, but then you can wail on them with knuckle dusters, ignoring the retaliate that you're giving them with knuckle dusters? It's like, hey, look behind you. Boom, boom, boom. Could be good. Wow, there is only one mystic card in this pack, and it is a tome. It's a 2xp tome. Daisy can take it. Good news, tome friends. This is De Vermis Mysteries, subtitle Signs of the Black Stars. It's a two-cost asset for two XP with an intellect icon, item and tome traded, and it has action, exhaust De Vermis Mysterious, and place one doom on it. Play a spell or insight event from your discard pile, reducing its resource cost by one. After that event resolves, remove it from the game. Puh, on, I'm going to have to go over that again takes up a hand slot, and it says, Ludwig Prim was its author. He who had perished at the inquisitorial stake in Brussels when the witchcraft trials were at their height. Robert Bloch, the shambler from the stars. Let's cover that text again. Exhaust De Vermis Mysteries and place one doom on it. Bit nasty. Play a spell or insight event from your discard pile. So spell events include Blinding Light, Storm of Spirits, Ward of Protection, Deny Existence. But things like Ward of Protection and Deny Existence you need to play in the Mythos phase or at an appropriate time. And because this costs an action, 
they're not going to work as well. Insight events include... Uh, what's that mystic event? Mm, I think it's draw an encounter card and get two clues. Is it two clues? Can't, I'm pretty sure it's a mystic card. Uh, what's it called? Hmm. Can't remember. Fire? Fire something? Anyway, I'll think of it in a second. I'll edit this bit out. Don't worry. I'll edit this bit out. What other insight events are there? I mean, every Seeker event is insight-traded apart from eidetic memory. Even knowledge's power is insight-traded. It'd be a bit weird to spend an action to play an insight event like knowledge's power. But maybe you play I've Got a Plan again, perhaps, or play more preposterous sketches or No Stone Unturned. Are they worth a doom? You are getting the resource cost reduction. Same with Connect the Dots. Pay Connect the Dots for three. And then the event is gone. Hmm. Pr pretty good, I think. I think fast, cheap events like Shortcut or Knowledge is Power are not good targets for this. Expensive, important events. I've got a plan for killing an enemy, something like that. Are very good. And maybe De Vermis Mysterious sits in play for Daisy. I'm assuming Daisy. And you play I've got a plan. And if you fail, you know that you can exhaust De Vermis Mysterious and place a doom on it to play I've got a plan again. Maybe we're going to see more spell events that are appropriate for this or see more insight events that are appropriate for this. I wonder if there's there's going to be something where it's an insight event that, you know, you want it to be expensive, maybe not rely on enemies being on you because you obviously take damage because you'd still be doing the, the De Vermis Mysteries action rather than the fight or evade or whatever it is. So maybe it's something where you don't mind that. Hmm, yeah. There are other cards that maybe Marie likes that she would replay. Moonlight Ritual. <laughs> Place a Doom on this to be able to play Moonlight Ritual and clear the Doom. That seems ludicrous. i got to say, as I think about it, the most powerful combo I'm thinking about is play Drawn to the Flame, get two clues, exhaust Vermis Mysterious, get two more clues. Because one of the drawbacks of Drawn to the Flame being an event is you play it, and if you really need another copy, you're then waiting to dig it out. And this circumvents that entirely as long as you're happy with the dual doom maybe it's immediately after the agenda's advanced and you're happy with that maybe you've got other hand things to play so you discard the vermis mysteries or maybe it's the witching hour and you just need those four clues there's a lot of options there it seems a good target i really hope drawn to the flame is insight traded it'll be really embarrassing if it's not okay last two cards both survivor cards the first is the guiding spirit which we talked about on our Exile an Exceptional Easter Extravaganza. This is a 1 cost 1 XP asset with a willpower icon. It's ally and geist traded, which I love. It says you get plus 1 intellect, static boost. Non-direct horror must be assigned to Guiding Spirit before it can be assigned to your Investigator card. Note that you could assign non-direct horror to something like Peter Sylvester or the Cherished Keepsake. As long as you don't assign it to your Investigator card, it doesn't have to go on Guiding Spirit. And forced after Guiding Spirit is defeated by horror, exile it. No damage, three horror, and it takes up an ally slot. I had a really good chat at the UK Games Expo recently about how many options there are to get this card discarded without letting it be defeated by horror. You could play another ally in the slot and discard it. You could be hit by a treachery that makes you discard assets in play. I'm sure there's another... Oh, you could play Calling in Favours, pick it up into hand to go searching for another ally. You've got so many options to avoid that, losing it to horror. 
I think this rises quickly to near the top of the pile for exile cards. One cost for a one cost static boost. Just cracking, really. It combos nicely with Ashkampit and Duke, obviously, because Duke raises your intellect to four and this makes you a five, which is nice. It probably goes in a deck that runs Charisma because there's such good survivor allies. I mean, even someone like Silas kind of likes this if you, you're playing solo Silas or solo Rita and you need that boost. A lot of survivors are low intellect. What have we got? Wendy 3, Ashkan 2, Yorick 2, <laughs> Calvin 0, Rita 2, Silas. You know, all of those investigators would be happy with a nice intellect boost. And maybe they'd get a few more clues without needing fail tricks which is just what you need for Haunted in the current campaign. So yeah, a, like a really cute card, really just oh, decent. When do we get the time to play all the cards? It's just madness. And finally, wow, look at the art on this guy, Joshua Kairos. This is Fortune or Fate, a two-cost event, two XP, wild icon, and it's Fortune and Blessed, so Father Mateo can take it. Fast... Play when Doom would be placed on any scenario card. Max once per game. Cancel one Doom just placed on that card. Exile Fortune or Fate. Wow. It's like a mini mysterious song. It's called Mysterious Song? Wow. It's like brain freeze that I can't remember. Marie's card. Mysterious Sing Song. That one. You know the one I'm talking about. Marie's signature. It's like that. So this is, you play when Doom would be placed on any scenario card. And scenario card, remember, could be a treachery or an enemy, or it could be an agenda, a location. All of those are governed by being scenario cards. So they're quite a broad range. Maybe there'll be a location that says when you fail investigating, place a Doom here, something like that. Uh, or when you bring an Acolyte into play. You pay two, you cancel the Doom, the max limit means that you can only do one of these per game, but you you cancel the Doom just placed on the card and exile Fortune or Fate. I mean, I can think of a lot of applications for that. Do I want to spend 2 XP to cancel one Doom once per game? And that's 2 XP total. Maybe? I'm hesitating slightly. We've got lots of ways of, res of handling Doom either by... Killing Acolytes, or maybe by making sure you don't flub tests and get Doom. It's a really nice safety net, isn't it? That you have uh, Mateo bumbling around. Maybe he's the one with all of the spare XP. If you've delved a couple of times, that sort of justifies the Doom cancellation, I, I suppose. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Trixie. Trixie. I feel like it's a, a nice end of campaign slot, particularly actually in Survivor where people have complained that there's not that much they want to spend XP on. Slot a one-off of these if they're max once per game, and if you're able to spend two and buy the whole team another another turn, that's terrific. Particularly actually if you're also feeling like you're behind the speed of the scenario, if maybe you've got a bit more to do before you advance the act and the agenda's about to advance. Uh, the, the Mythos Busters just did a really good episode actually on tempo, and it's exactly that idea of when the agenda advances, you're probably going to be hit by what might feel like a double turn, where there's going to be whatever factors on the back of agenda one, and you're then going to have to draw encounter cards. So maybe being able to prolong that for a turn, particularly if you know that there's an enemy coming, or you know that things are going to get really hard, or maybe because you're staring down being killed, and if you just have one more turn, you'd avoid that. 
that you know, that could be stellar, couldn't it? To just say, yeah, I'll pay two XP to avoid death. Sign me up. So that was Onion and Disillusion, which was a really cool fun pack to do, and it's good to be back in the saddle of it. So two exile cards for survivors. Nice to see their share of exile. And they, they do both do you know, a, a big investment exile card in Fortune or Fate, and then a really cool exile card in Guiding Spirit which I think we'll see a lot of play around different places. They Vermis Mysteries as a strange player spell or insight event from your discard pile, reducing its cost by one. Yeah, that was an odd card, wasn't it? It's nice that Daisy can take it, but what's she playing? You know, that's the big question. It's only as good as the other cards in your deck, which, yeah, it's a combo-ish card. Decoy, lovely. Investments, cracking. I'm going to slot that in a deck right away. And then... The cards that I already knew-ish, Warning Shot, Knowledge is Power, Esoteric Atlas, and Telescopic Sight. Like, if you've made a Mark Harrigan deck that's going to take the Springfield, Telescopic Sight, and Warning Shot, maybe Act of Desperation for when you're like panicking about your gun, but you've well-maintained it so it comes back to hand, oh, I'm going to make this deck straight after this episode, I think. Well, if you've made it, send it to me, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com, all the usual places. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Tell me what you thought of the cards. What's your favourite card in this pack? And let me know how you get along in the scenario Onion and Disillusion. Thanks for listening. Bye. I had a really good chat at the UK Games Expo recently about how many options there are to get this card discarded without letting it be defeated by horror. You could play another event in the slot and discard it. You could... (laughs) And then I pull a blank.